Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. I'm standing across from Action Jackson, who is wearing a Boston Celtics jersey today. That's right. And he's loaded for bear. And and by the way, thinks we just had this discussion on TMA, those of you listening to HD2, that you in the audience want to hear about the Celtics and Warriors. And I told Jackson, I said, eh. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a good read of the audience, but hey, maybe 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 that's what's that's what the people want. If so, I'm excited for the, the Celtics and Warriors. Oh yeah, but I'm also excited for the Memorial this weekend. But I'm not going to be talking about the Memorial this weekend because my read on the St. Louis audience is most of the people in the St. Louis audience aren't excited for the Memorial this weekend. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like I can be excited for things, but recognize that the audience isn't necessarily sharing my exuberance. Well, I think with Tatum being in the finals, that adds a whole nother layer. If Miami would have won on Sunday night, then no, I don't think St. Louis as a whole would be interested. But with the local kid, who's the best player on his team, with a chance to go win a ring for the first time in his career, I think a lot of people are interested. All right. But yeah. I could be, I mean, it's more than likely I'm wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to act like I don't know you're wrong, and then I'll ask the people to give their thoughts, and then I will read them. And okay. it'll just be, I'll just be setting her on up again. Yeah. 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, great to be back in the studio. I was doing the show from my basement last week. And uh, on Friday, was Friday the only day that there was like an internet issue for like about yeah. five minutes? Yep. Mm-hmm. We never had it on TMA and for five minutes on 101 ESPN. Yeah. It was uh, kind of went in and out, but I wonder what happened there. I wonder what well, happened. internet spike could have been a number of things, but you yeah. know, it was pretty. I just, it's so cool that you can like the technology is where it's at, where you oh, can like so easy. do it from wherever. It's really cool. I can't get on the internet right here right now, so that's telling you. Here, that's prime example. You, <laughs> uh, you can text in six five seven eight zero. Yeah, guys, talk about Tatum. There you go. Nice. Little Harvard was probably rooting for the Bruins and Red Sox to beat the Blues and Cardinals. Are you Little Harvard? <laughs> little Harvard? Are you? I went to a state school in the state of Missouri. <laughs> little, little, little Harvard. Little Harvard. I graduated with like a 3-2 GPA. Oh, and Jackson's now bragging about his GPA that's apropos not a, of nothing. That's not. How could that be a 3-2? I went to the No offense to anybody, but I went to the University of Missouri. Wow. Oh no! Well, it's back, and it's not as it's not as lopsided shot at my my head uh, as I would have expected. How about that? Yeah, they're, they're, it's it's not necessarily overwhelmingly no, supportive. No, 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 because the detractors are very passionately detracting. That's correct. Uh, well, anyway, text in six five seven eight zero. So the blues. Here's what we got going for you. Uh, the blues are addressing the media. Players at ten fifteen, and then Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube at eleven. 
And uh, I'm, I'm legitimately interested in hearing what everybody has to say. Now, before Jackson starts breaking down Curry versus Tatum, um, this is our first time on 101 ESPN to talk about what took place in the series, the series coming to an end on Friday night. Jackson, for my money, and I don't know where people in the audience, on this one I really don't know where people are. Mm-hmm. are um, I thought it was inevitable. Yeah. As I was watching the third period, turned to my wife, blues are up 2-1, and I said, my God, Colorado's plus 240 live. As in, you can bet 100 on Colorado and you're going right. to win $240. Right. I have, a, I have a fiduciary responsibility to my family. Absolutely. To put money on that. Now, I call it emotional risk management because I want to lose the money. Mm-hmm. I want to lose the money. But should the Blues lose, I got two and a half to one on my money right. when I'm watching that game and the Blues, all, by definition, are winning. But if you're watching the game, there's no possible way you felt like the Blues were outplaying them. I don't. Right. I, I, it doesn't matter who you are. There's no way anybody really thought that. And I know not, we're not debating that. It was a matter of could they hold on. It was comparable. It wasn't as bad, but it was comparable to game one, if you can take yourself back to that, and Bennington and the 51 saves, and oh, what the days with Jordan Bennington and Nett were like, and how much that all changed. But with that said, for me, for me individually, and I talked with some friends over the weekend about that game, for me individually, it wasn't as painful as... It would have been, say, if that were the Wild mm. and the way that series was playing, right. if the Wild would have won it with about six seconds remaining to eliminate the Blues. From my standpoint, and this is another thing that I said while I was watching the game, and this is what the Blues winning. It's going to be a miracle if the Blues can hold on to this lead, and then it's just going to be a miracle if they can win in Denver. So from my standpoint, yes, of course it can happen because we saw a miracle take place to even get to the game six. But I'm I'm at peace with it because clearly Colorado was the better team and deserved to win the game. Yeah. I hate that you didn't have Bennington for the whole series. I hate what took place with Colton Pareko a variety of different times, the, the standing behind the net and then not being able to clear the puck and then not being able to get off the ice and then Letty's on there for a ridiculous shift. The delay of game penalty, brutal, brutal, brutal. Kadri running Bennington and what it led to, whether it was intentional or not, it doesn't matter. They lost Bennington and Huso just was not good enough, period. I hated that. Uh, I think you will hear at some point over the next hour, I would imagine, uh, Braden Shen's health. That was not Braden Shen. Uh, That's my belief. Maybe they won't get into it, but that's what I think you will hear. You might hear about other injuries that may explain that depth that was so prevalent in the regular season not being prevalent in the postseason. And if there weren't reasons for injuries, then that's very disappointing and a concern. But just overall, overall, what took place with 5.3 or 5.6 seconds, whatever it was, when Helm scored the goal, to me, it was just a matter of time. I knew it was coming. In my mind, I knew it was coming. And yes, of course, the Blues could have theoretically had what happened on Wednesday night happen again with Bozek just firing a puck on the net and it gets through. It absolutely could have happened. But it was so lopsided that I just, it, it, it's like when the Dodgers beat the Cardinals to me. So mm-hmm. Marsh tweet that out right away. Yeah, Chris Taylor, hold my beer. Here's you know, helm with the goal. 
And even on that one, yeah, it was heartbreaking in the way it went down, but the Dodgers were just a much better team. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. Yeah. Now, sometimes the much better team loses, but over the course of this series, the Blues were just outplayed the vast majority of the time. And so, therefore, therefore, from my standpoint, I'm only speaking for myself, I was at peace with it. Even though I hated it, I was at peace with it. Yeah, yeah, I think, right, so, like, with 50 seconds left, they get the icing call, Blues are going to go take the face off. They lose, and you just see, like, when they start coming down the ice, you're like, man, if they can just hold on for a couple more seconds, they can go take it to overtime, and who knows, but then right when he clapped it, you saw it, and you're just like, man. It was inevitable, but still, at the same time, when you lose in that fashion, it's still like a gut punch, even though basically the entire third period you knew that things were not going in the Blues' way. Uh, Tim, that was a gut punch like Iserman uh, in 96. Yeah, I, I, I get that. It was a gut punch. That was an elimination game, game seven. And this, and that's the thing. Here, here, here's, here's, so we'll go apples to apples, apples and oranges on the thing. Yes, it was a heartbreak in the sense of it was just a bullet to the head and the series mm-hmm. is over. That's a game seven. Wayne Gretzky's on the team. Brett Hull's on the team. And you're thinking, even though John Casey's in the net, maybe. And you can get past the Red Wings. And yeah. you can get past this machine and then take your chances. And uh, what I believe would have been Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the Western Conference Finals. That, to me, is different than if they can just get to overtime and then maybe they can win in overtime and then get to Denver and then beat the Avalanche in Game 7. It just, to me, it felt like it was, listen, it can happen. It absolutely can happen, but it, it's kind of like it, it wasn't as extreme as Missouri, Alabama in the SEC championship in 2014. But it was just it was just obvious that it, to me anyway, it was obvious it was, a miracle had to take place just for them to get to game six. Yeah. And it was it was kind of miraculous that they were even winning in the third period. The shame of it is, is, is Craig Berube. And by the way, here's my analogy. I used this on TMA this morning. Tony LaRusa. J.D. Drew, Craig Berube, Jordan Cairo. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that. We're making an analogy here. It's like Mm -hmm. we're taking the ACT together. Yeah, yeah. Tony La Russa, J.D. Drew, Craig Berube, Jordan Cairo. Yes. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. uh, Tony La Russa, the only guy that he would ever kind of air out publicly, unless Steve Klein was flipping him off (laughs) in the bullpen, uh, was J.D. Drew. Right. You know, he would say, and you have to, you'd have to catch it. But if you caught it, you knew what was going on. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, J.D.'s got an ouchie. I'll <laughs> 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 be standing there, I go, boy, nobody else ever has ouchies. If J.D. has ouchies. You know, somebody would be hurt. Yeah, He'd right. talk about that. He wouldn't go into detail, but he would say somebody would be hurt. But it was J.D. was an ouchie. <laughs> and uh, and I just get the, you know, Ruby after the game. I mean, Cairo could have had three goals. <laughs> it's he's like, just like, and it's. I feel like any time he's yeah. going to vent, it's going to be directed in his direction. And once again, he's got an open net. There's Mason, and he's playing netminder when Kemper's uh, down on the ground, and that's just that's brutal because you're up three to one. It just it just changes the course of the game, and that's that that was that to me actually was, was comparable to the gut punch that was the game winning and series ending goal. Um, and then, you know, he has the breakaway and doesn't fire on net. And sure. So, yes, it, from that standpoint, very frustrating from the overall tone of the series. I just didn't feel like they were likely to go back to Colorado and win the game. And I didn't necessarily think it was likely they were going to win in overtime. And I was surprised when they were winning. 
So that is why I'm comfortable with it. Uh, guys, Cairo was essentially standing on the ice as their player flew around him. Long shot, too, that who so likely would have been better with, uh, like, the three goals Kadri scored on him. Uh, let's see. Tim, Tony LaRussa, J.D. Drew, 101 text line, balloon party. Nice, nice, and nice. Well, text line isn't as subtle. Uh, I totally agree with you, Tim. I was at the game and was preparing myself that we probably were going to lose once the score was tied. That's from the 314. Yeah, the delay game penalty. The delay game penalty in game six against the Bruins that Ryan O'Reilly took in the opening period just killed the momentum. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Marshawn's the one who scored uh, to put the Bruins up one nothing, and that building was going absolutely crazy, and it just sucked the life out of the building. And then when Preco flips that puck out for the delay of game, I'm just going, oh, my God, no. Now you know. Now it's kind of like, oh, now I know how I'm going to die. Now I know how this is going to end. It's going to come here with a power play. They're going to tie it, and then inevitably they're just dominating play. Uh, the real comparable the real comparable with Kairou is doing the Gretzky center ice impersonation. Yep, there's a uh, time wound down. Uh, Tim Husso cannot stop a short side shot. That's from the 636. Uh, and, yes, we have a lot of Colton Pareko texts here, and understandably so. You can make the case he played one of his worst games in one of his most important games in 2022, and that is what transpired, and I would imagine that is something that is going to stick with Blues fans for a long time. I mean, here while I am saying that the Blues deserved to lose, and while I'm saying I'm at peace with it, Somewhat analogous to the Cardinals and the Dodgers thing, although that's a one-game thing, and that's such a terrible format uh, after 162 games. But whatever, baseball's got all kinds of issues. We're going to get to that here on the show in a moment with uh, a story I read over the weekend that details the situation for baseball in their postseason. But with regards to this, it's seven games, and over the course of the six that were actually played, it just was clear that they were better. And sometimes that's what winds up happening. Um, but yes, Colton Pareko in that spot, even though the Blues were, you know, battling and the ice was certainly tilted in Colorado's favor, they had a shot. And so when that happens, it's going to live with a guy for a while, especially if he's a big contract guy who people feel like performs under his potential. Or at the very least, now he is just well under expectations when he signed the deal. So from that standpoint, understandably, fans are all over him on that, especially with the way things went down on Friday night. 65780 is how you can get involved in the show. You're going to get a chance to hear on uh, 101 ESPN, Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong talk. And we have some players coming to the podium here. And, uh, yeah, so. I'm, uh, yeah, we can, we can probably get that up here. Okay, so we'll have that. Uh, a great column I read over the weekend, and I'm looking forward to getting into this. Uh, Joe Posnanski, some of you may recognize him from Sports Illustrated. Maybe if you are familiar with uh, his time at the Kansas City Star, you'll know his name. Wrote an outstanding blog on baseball called A Summer with Not a Lot at Stake. And I will detail that for you coming up. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan with you. Top of the hour, Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong, talking to the media for the 2021-2022 season wrap-up. BK and Ferrario will be carrying that live here on 101 ESPN. You are always welcome to get involved in the show. 
text in Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Leave a mic drop, Rhino Shield mic drop, and we encourage you to podcast all of the programs here on 101 ESPN. Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast is where you can go back and listen to the show anytime. Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron are speaking with the media right now. Uh, Action Jackson will take a listen here for a couple of minutes and see what they have to say. They just sat down to start talking right now. David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly speaking. Do you do that a lot um, during games? I don't. I don't know. I was just trying to get another stick, and I was kind of just looking at uh, one of trainers, Drew, and I think I don't. I don't. I think it was just like music playing, which was loud. And I couldn't really hear him, and I was just kind of trying to get his attention. And I don't know, just a random thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not something I do do often. Ryan, looking back the whole season, that did early case of COVID did that stick with you longer than it might longer than it seemed? Um, yeah, I think it definitely uh, you know did a number on me. It was tough. It was tough coming back from it. Um, you know, especially I think being forward and you know I feel you know needing to have you know jump and stamina and such like that. It, it was tough. It was it was hard. It took a little while to kind of find my rhythm again. But uh, yeah, I don't think anyone had an <clears throat> easy time with COVID. I think it uh, was unfortunate, but. Uh, you know, it was nice that, you know, we had the depth and we had different guys step up all the course of the year when guys would go down. We always had that, uh, you know, such a good team that we were able to kind of you know, keep going and stick with it and find ways to win games. So it's, um, yeah, ended up being all right. For either or both of you guys, is there, are there one or two things that you would like to see the team do better next year or going, going forward? <clears throat> I, um, I mean, personally, just... Um, just like I said, just a little bit more, uh, maybe momentum between lines after lines, just kind of building our game a little bit more, uh, kind of having more control over games at times. But uh, I mean, it's I think it was there at times too. So I, I think it's just a way to do it more consistently. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with David there too. It's um, you know, it, it was you know, a great team. You know, it was fun to be a part of, fun to watch, and you see did a lot of good things at different times. Just being more consistent with it. And, you know, I think, you know, as, you know, for group, we stay together more. I think that'll come naturally. So it's, again, you know, going to the summer, it's all individual. We all have to find a way to, you know, to get a little bit better. And, you know, that's individually for each guy, finding new things to, to work on and such. But, um, you know, right now we rest and, you know, start training soon and, and get prepared. Ryan, when you view your guys' roster, do you feel like there's a good mix of veterans and youth that's coming up through that kind of balances things out? And where do you feel like the championship window still with this organization's at right now? Oh, we're definitely right there. We're right in, you know, right in the mix of it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I love our roster, the the guys we have. And um, obviously what you guys don't see in the room, the way guys are together, it's it's a very good group and a great mix of both, whether it's energy or, you know, veteran presence. It's... Um, yeah, I know I'm full confidence. You know, I have full confidence that we can, you know, find our way back there and and, and have a chance. David, belated happy birthday! But Thank how, you. How young? How young do you feel? How when you look at? I mean, you're getting up there. <laughs> uh, Not that young. How young do I feel? Um, depends which time of the year, how many injuries uh, you going through. But uh, no, I, I feel really good. I feel um, <clears throat> I found a way to to play the game right now where I feel I can be consistent every night. Um, I feel like I can have an impact on the game and, and kind of bring a lot of positive to the team. So 
I think I got a few years uh, where I, I'm going to feel like that still. Are you doing things differently now off the ice and preparation-wise? And No, I, I mean, some some stuff you always uh, want to get better, uh, training-wise, all that stuff. But uh, I've been pretty consistent in my training, uh, what I've been doing over the summers. Um, no, I just uh, kind of keep going. Ryan, I know you're not the uh, GM, but what did Nick Letty bring, and would you like to see him come back? Oh, absolutely. I think he was, you know, you watch him out there, how smooth he is, the way he skates, and, uh, you know, defensively just shutting stuff down that it just it's just comes so natural to him that it's you know he just makes such an impact out there so um yeah i hope uh you know things can work out and bring him back um you know he did a phenomenal job for us do you are uh, how long will it take for you guys to kind of get over colorado or maybe maybe you're already there and the other thing i wanted to ask you it's kind of a what if question uh the series is one to one. You're up one to nothing in Game Three when Bennington goes down. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you think maybe you're still playing if, if that doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to to look back and think that way, but uh, it's that's the way it happened. Um, I don't know. Like, did we turn the page? I think we probably need a few more days or a week, whatever. But at the same time, uh, we're proud of our group. We lost a good team. And uh, there's no point just uh, overthinking everything. So um, I'm just, I'm proud of the guys the way they played this year, and uh, that's what I think. Um, yeah, you know, coming back one-one here, um, that happens. You could kind of, you know, Binner going down. You kind of feel the energies come out of the building, and and us too. And I don't think, um, yeah, we responded the right way. It would have been. Again, you know, you look back at it and there's a lot of things we could have done different at times. But, um, yeah, that was a big moment that, uh, you know, we just didn't handle the right way. And that falls on myself, too. And, you know, other leaders on the team, there's, you know, we're still a very deep team in all areas and we <clears throat> find a way to, to respond. So it's, it is what it is. You know, we move on. And, and again, you know, you still, you know, you know, trying to process everything the whole year. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you guys uh, had one of the highest scoring teams in, in franchise history. Do you think the potential is there for that to continue going forward? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're a very talented group offensively. You know, power play was very great this year. Um, you know, every year is different. And, you know, as long as we're winning hockey games, you know, that's all that really matters. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all you really want. Thanks. I started talking. Jackson, I, I was, Jackson looked like I came up behind him and gave him a wet willy. <laughs> I, I realized that they were wrapping it up. I was like, ooh, we got to get back on the air. What were you doing, watching Curry and Draymond Green highlights? Yeah, seeing how the Warriors are going to defend the ball screen. I started, I started, I started doing a show. <laughs> I've been doing this long enough when I recognized they're wrapping up. I'm like, ah, oh, you were listening to David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly here live on 108 ESPN. And at that moment, Jackson looked up from his Warriors game film and realized it was time to put me back on the air. Yeah, you were just Otherwise, doing reps. You were just getting reps in. <laughs> yeah, I was. I need some reps. Uh, David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, you heard what they had to say. Anything stand out? In particular, 65780. You'll hear from Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong at 11 o'clock, and that will be live. Live here on 101 ESPN, BK and Ferrario. I can't wait to hear that. I'm legitimately looking forward to hearing what they have to say. You know, I think that that one question that you heard, I think it was Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch, ask, 
uh, you know, do you replay in your mind what happens if Bennington doesn't get hurt? Uh, and it sounds like they do. This is this is one observation I'll have, and maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not. I don't know if, how many of you would remember this. Um, 2009, Blues get swept by the Canucks. It was just great that they got back into the playoffs, and they had to make a charge to get back into the playoffs in 2009. And, uh, and they did, and then they got swept by the Canucks. And so by the time Game 4 rolled around and you're down 3-0 and Game 4 is in St. Louis, you kind of understand that, barring a, a miracle, this thing is over. Fine. And I think they lost in overtime, if I'm not mistaken, in Game 4. And I remember seeing Keith Kachuk skate off the ice really quickly, um, clearly pissed. Mm-hmm. Which is understand he just lost. I get it, but you know, over his career, he had lost plenty of times, and that's that stood out to me. And I recall just BSing with him one time, and I said, "Hey, I noticed that you." Yeah, I was pissed, you know, but I was pissed because I felt like we could have played much better, and that's what pissed me off. It's one thing to lose; it's another thing when you feel like you didn't didn't play to your potential. So, whereas I talked about in our first segment here on the show today. That is, listen, I was disappointed on Friday night, but I saw it coming. It's, mm. and for, if you, for those of you who are, are big Cardinal fans as well, when you were watching the Cardinals and Dodgers last October in the one game playoff, when Chris Taylor hit the home run, I wasn't like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I expected the Dodgers right. to win. Right. So I, it, it sucks that it happened, but it, it was going to happen then or it was going to happen in overtime or it was going to happen on Sunday night. That was my mindset. Right. But what stood out to me is I noticed Ryan O'Reilly kind of went Walter Kachuk in 2009 mm-hmm. heading off the ice. Yeah, That stood out to me. Now, you had to be really paying attention in full nerddom, and it's a Friday night, and most of you were probably enjoying your, your evening, and here I am in my basement watching Ryan O'Reilly go off quickly and going, I wonder what's going on there. And then afterwards, he said it's just a disappointing season. And he's, you know, and, and, and in other words... It's one thing to be unhappy about losing, but I felt like he was exuding frustration. And I was trying to figure, if, if my read is right, where his frustration was directed. Uh, but to call it a disappointing season, I personally, this is one of those things you do after a team loses. And, you know, was it a disappointing season or was it a good season? In the whole scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But from my standpoint, I'd consider it a successful season. At the very least, same thing I said on Friday morning leading into game six, the resilience of this team. I mean, they didn't have Bennington. They didn't have Krug. The power play was 0 for 5 in the last couple of games. No Perunovic. That was a, that was a coach's decision, but the power play was not a factor in the last couple of games. And I would imagine that's a different outcome if you have Krug in there. And I would imagine also Jordan Bennington's going to be more effective handling the puck than Huso was, and Huso gave up those short side goals, and it was brutal. So from that standpoint, considering where they got and considering how good Colorado is, I'm at peace with it, but when the captain acts that way and says the things he said, and he wasn't calling people out, this wasn't Phil Mickelson at the Ryder Cup. This is this is just you know this was a guy who was you know felt like this was one of the best teams he ever played on, and so the result was not acceptable to him, and that stands out to me. And I guess that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You want your captain to expect a championship. I like that. But I don't know. I'm trying to read between the lines and trying to figure out where the the frustration was. And maybe that's maybe it's it's net minding. Maybe he's like, yeah. I mean, we got a guy here who's you know one of our key defensemen, and you know he's flipping the puck into the stands on a delay game penalty. We can't have that crap happen. I don't know. 
I don't know. It, it's all open to interpretation. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe O'Reilly, you know, was just, you know, at the end of the season, he's just frustrated, understandably so. But I felt like there might be a little more to it. Uh, your thoughts, 65780, Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong coming up at the top of the hour live here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jackson Jackson with you on the show, and uh, as you just heard Jackson say, uh, Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube will address the media coming up here in about 21 minutes, and it'll be live on 101 ESPN on BK and Ferrario. Uh, looks like Braden Shen is talking right now. Jeremy Rutherford just tweeted. Shen said he dealt with three different sets of broken ribs this season, and that was the issue down the stretch, plus he had a torn oblique. So there's that. Boy, oh boy. There's that. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one to just play through. Yeah. We theorized on the show at the outset that Braden Shen was not right. There's that. My goodness. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, inclination that he might not have been all the way there. Three different sets of broken ribs and a torn oblique, and he's out there flying around and flying into guys, and he was doing it all the way until the very end. But that explains the lack of what you saw from what you would have expected. You just had the sense. And this is today is the day where you find out what was really going on. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's always kind of the big reveal. It's not something you look forward to, but there you go. Braden Shen, that comes from Jeremy Rutherford here just moments ago. Uh, I want to get into this Joe Posnanski column, and you're like, okay, why? And that's fine. I get it. Did you read this before I talked about it on TMA this morning? Were I did you familiar not. With it? I did not. This gets me going. And this now, so I'm gonna I'm switching to Cardinals and to baseball after uh, talking about the Blues and playing Perron and uh, O'Reilly's live press conference here. Uh, Joe Posnanski wrote for Sports Illustrated, uh, I believe, also uh, the Athletic. At least, at the very least, did a podcast with the Athletic, and uh, and of course, the Kansas City Star is where many in the Midwest may, may be familiar with him. And here is what he wrote on Memorial Day: We are a little more than one quarter of the way into the season, and already these are the teams with less than one percent chance of making the postseason: the Orioles, the Nationals, the Pirates, the Royals, the Reds, and the Tigers. Those are the six teams that both fan graphs and baseball reference give less than 1% of a chance to make in the postseason. In addition to that, fan graphs adds Oakland, 0.1%, Colorado, 0.2%, and puts Arizona just over 1%. Baseball reference, meanwhile, writes off the Cubs, 0.1%, and the Marlins at 0.6%. So that has a total of 11 teams that are basically out of it already. I don't think it's much of a stretch to put the Rangers and Mariners on that list, too. No offense to either club. And being brutally honest, Cleveland is probably not going to be there in October either. And even as I send all my love to Ellen Adair, it's a long road back for Philadelphia too. So, that means before we even get to June, 15 of 30 teams are more or less playing for next year already, or in most cases, for two or three or four years down the line. And more to the point, it means that 16 teams are fighting for 12 playoff spots. Do we really need 110 plus more games to choose 12 teams out of a 16-team pot? This is a question the powers at MLB simply have to ask themselves. Do they really want a season where the last four months are played for almost no purpose? Played only to watch a handful of teams jockey for position? Played only to determine if the Giants or Padres are going to get the wild card spot? 
played only to determine how the White Sox, Twins, Rays, and Angels are going to divvy up the last two wild card spots. He also goes on to note that you have uh, a limited number of teams at the moment with a winning record. Now, this is when he wrote the column. Uh, Twelve teams with a winning record, and seven of those are the American League, and that means there are five at the time of writing the column in the National League, which means if it were to end today, you would have a team without a winning record get into the playoffs. And considering the way things play out in the postseason, you could see a team without a winning record during the regular season win the World Series. So with all of that said, it gets to something that I think for those of you who might be experiencing uh, a form of sports depression today uh, that carries over from going, man, I'm going to watch the Avalanche play the Oilers tonight, and that means it's going to drive home that the Blues are done. And yeah, the Cardinals are playing, but I just don't have the same enthusiasm for turning that on that I did with all of the excitement going into Game 6 at Enterprise Center. And maybe you notice that the disparity is a little bigger now than, say, five years ago or ten years ago. I introduced this column as an exhibit. And I think uh, you have a variety of reasons to consider it. Now, I don't know necessarily what the solution is. I think the solution, to me, that, that I would implement, but I know is never going to happen, so therefore I'm proposing something that is essentially error. But it would be a floor and a cap. But as long as you're talking salary cap, the Players Union isn't going to be on board with that. And so you can't have a, a floor without a cap. With all of that said, that to me is what would prevent what you just heard right there, that half the teams are already done and that uh, you most likely at some point soon, maybe even here in four months, you will have a team with a losing record in the playoffs in baseball. This is the issue in St. Louis. couple of things. The big picture issue is in St. Louis – you have the Cardinals and Brewers competing for the division. And in St. Louis, before they even threw the first pitch this year, you knew it was going to be the Cardinals and Brewers playing for the division. The three other teams in the division have decided to take the year off. Uh, in The Reds just really bizarrely pulled the plug on their year when they were in the mix for the postseason last year. They're 15 games under 500. The Cubs are 10 games under 500, And the Pirates are 7 games under 500. So if we do some quick math here, Jackson, they are combined 32 games under 500, and it is May 31st. Keep in mind, by the way, that the Reds only have 10 wins of their 16 against non-Cubs or Pirates. See, that's the thing. When you when you start talking about their records, they're going to get some wins no because doubt. they're going to play each other combined right. 38 times. The Cardinals get to play these three butt-asses 57 times. 57 games against the Reds, Pirates, and Cubs. Now, you can look at it one of two ways. You go, great, and the Cardinals are going to be at an advantage because they get to play these teams more than, say, the teams in the NL East or the teams in the NL West get to play them. And that is indeed true. But here's how it cuts against the Cardinals and why it's problematic in St. Louis. Number one, I believe, especially based on what we saw this offseason with the lack of activity, unless Steven Matz really got you going, that the Cardinals go, oh, this is interesting. Cubs are obviously not in the mode to win this year. They basically parted ways with that trade deadline in 2021. The Pirates are, you know, Vanderbilt in the SEC. And the Reds are just kind of hanging around. Oh, now there's 12 teams going into postseason. 
And there's 57 games against the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs. Man, we can just win 35 of those. We're 13 games over 500 in those games. That puts us in a pretty nice spot. Now all we need to do is probably win about 50 of our other 105 games. <laughs> we can go under 500 against everybody else yeah, and get into the postseason and have 85 wins. <laughs> bananas. It's crazy. But I but I, I have to consider that that – because I couldn't mm. figure it out this offseason. Now, it wasn't like a common conversation about the offense, but it was something that I was wondering about. What, why the lack of right. ambition with this being the final year with Pujols, Wainwright, and Molina? Yeah. At the time, only Wainwright and Molina, now Pujols. So with that said, you have that. And then in addition to it, as far as now going long-term, in addition to it, with the Pirates in this division, as it is, i.e. Vanderbilt, uh, you got that every year. And minus a couple of years, 13, 14, uh, and 15, the Pirates have been doing this here since Sid Bream slid past Spanky Lavalier in Atlanta. So that's that's you're going to be at an advantage because you got that every year. What a nice gesture by the league to have the Pirates continue to just hang out and lose. <laughs> the Reds have just blown it up. The Reds thing is the that's what because the, they were relatively close. Yeah, right, they would have gotten into the postseason last year if you had this format. And then uh, the Cubs are a ways away after what they did last year. So what you have happen here is then the message from the organization is well we got into the playoffs. Because that was the message last year. So if you don't have that winning streak last year, I would have liked to have thought that there would have been more people talking how I was talking this past off season. And don't get me wrong, I'm wrong more than I'm right. So this isn't a sports talk radio. I was right. I won't talk <laughs> wrong all the time. But on this one, going, I don't get it. What in the world? They're just not doing anything. Yeah. Not doing it. Steven Matz? I was like, I was excited about Matz because I'm like, oh, that'll be nice. Fourth or fifth guy. Can't wait to see what they do. And then it became clear they weren't going to do anything. Right. So I sit there and I go, why? Well, because they're going to probably get into the postseason in part because three of the five teams in the division, three of the four teams they'll be playing will be out of it and they will be horrible and the Cardinals will pile up wins against them. And here's great news, by the way, if you enjoy this. The Cardinals have only played nine of their 57 games so far against the Cubs, Reds. The gauntlet. And and, and Pirates gauntlet. The, <laughs> the trifecta. Buzz, the buzzsaw. The buzzsaw. <laughs> so there's plenty more that came from. But if you enjoy watching competitive baseball, if you're enjoying, for example, seeing the 30 and 18 Padres in town following four against the Brewers, you know, great. You're just not going to see much of it because there's still a lot of pirate, there's still a lot of cub, and there's still a lot of red to come. Now, it's wins, but from my standpoint, and I'll tell you this like as a Missouri football fan, from my standpoint, yeah, they're going to beat Louisiana Tech, and they're going to beat Abilene Christian, and I think New Mexico State might be on the schedule. Lobos. Uh, I think that's New Mexico. I think the Cowboys. I think they're the Aggies. Oh, yeah. I think you're right on that. We'll spend more time on New Mexico State in tomorrow's balloon party. But for the purpose of the conversation, I want to see good baseball. And this is just, this is, Major League Baseball is now turned into like how you get into a bowl. Yeah. Going to the postseason in baseball is like when a college football coach trying to save his job goes, well, we went to a bowl. Right. Everybody goes to a bowl. Yeah. 
And in baseball, you go, well, not everybody goes to the postseason. 12 of the 30 do. But when half of them aren't competing, essentially only three or four who were trying to don't get in. And you can do it before the season starts. That's a problem for the game. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780. Read the text coming back. And then don't forget, in 10 minutes, Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong, live here on 101 ESPN at the top of the hour. This is Balloon Party at 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party final segment. It's going to be quick, fast, in a hurry. But we have time for some text, as I promised we would after talking about the Cardinal uh, playoff situation with regards to Joe Posnanski's column. Uh, I think I tweeted it out. I know I put it on the TMA fan page on Facebook. Come on in. Join it. You'll love it. Um, TMA fan page is what it's called on Facebook. It's a private group. Apply and you'll get in and you'll you'll just experience pleasure. Uh, Tim, you are my hero today. The other problem with the Cardinals' approach is that they will always be the underdog in the playoffs, just like you mentioned about knowing the Dodgers would probably beat the Cardinals last year. That's from the 3-1-4. I hate the expanded baseball playoffs. The only ones it's good for are the greedy owners. That's from the 6-3-6. Let's see. We're second in attendance. We deserve to win in October. Lisa, do better. I think a comment was needed there. I think it was from Lisa, and then she meant to say. To do better. Maybe that's, a hyphen? A hyphen probably would be. What's wrong, McKernan? Don't you like watching baseball? What else do you have to do? Can we, give, can we give I tickets to, I, or I, something? If I could give tickets, I would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, with a four-year-old and a four-month-old, the, the social calendar isn't exactly locked. I'm, I'm talking about I want to see the Cardinals excel, and I feel like the current state of the playoff system and the division allows them to not necessarily have to go all in. And, that, and I'm not even talking about all in. I'm not an all-in guy. I'm talking about be aggressive. And there's a difference between being passive and being aggressive and doing what the Cardinals are doing, which I think is taking advantage of the situation. Tim, watching Rob Manford fiddle while Rome Burns is beyond frustrating. Get him out now. That is from the 636. Uh, really enjoyed that column. Uh, check it out, uh, Joe Posnanski. And if I didn't tweet it, I'll tweet it out now. Uh, T. McKernan is where you can follow me on the Twitter tweets, although that's basically a dormant account, minus <laughs> occasional gifts. Uh, BK and Ferrari are up next, and here in a matter of moments, you will hear live Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.